This is Jason Holleran. I proudly served for 33 years, culminating as the Deputy Commandant at West Point. Put this on your calendar. World War II weekend inside Old Bethpage Village Restoration on Long Island. Scores of operational vintage armor in formation May 18th and 19th. Nassau County Executive Bruce Blakeman invites you to join him in saluting America's greatest generation and all those who have worn the uniform in defense of our freedoms. That's May 18th and 19th, presented by the Museum of American Armor. Welcome to the 5 o'clock show. It's time for Common Sense. Now, it's Cats and Cosby with John Katsimatidis and Rita Cosby, standing for truth, justice, and the American way, bringing common sense to the world. Now, here's John Katsimatidis and Rita Cosby. Well, we're back. And... Five days till Christmas, Rita. I can't wait. Um, you know, I was every day's Christmas with you guys. I mean, just being with you guys. And we got Peter King. You know it's Christmas. And, and you finally King. appreciate that. Pete. I, finally. Peter finally. King finally. in the, the studio end of with the us. Year. We're, we're, Peter, you're the Lone Ranger today. That's Judge, Weinberg, Judge Weinberg <laughs> took off for Christmas. Iceberg? Iceberg for Christmas? You know, he's going to change his name to, you know... Yeah, yeah, but you know what? He does, he's a hardworking judge, so we're happy Absolutely. that he's getting some time yeah. off. Great guy. Yes. Great guy. Absolutely. And, uh, so many things happening. At the end of our, uh, uh, towards the end of our show, uh, Mayor Eric Adams has agreed to uh, call in. Right. And Fantastic. we got some interesting questions to ask him. Yeah, what an important time in the city, too, with the city council voting as we speak. Yep. A whole bunch of stuff going on. So this is a busy day, John. Voting on anti-cop measures. Yeah, anti-cop and the migrant issue. There are so many things happening in our city right now. And, uh, and of course, by the way, speaking of attorneys, John, um, also all this big news coming out of Colorado. This is I huge. I mean, that's such crap. Oh, John, to put it I bluntly, mean, I can think of another four-letter word, but go ahead. Yeah, yeah. that's some crap. Uh, I understand he's calling in. Yep, we've got some breaking news. Breaking news, WABC. And joining us now with some big breaking news on the very latest is Trump attorney and one of the great constitutional experts out there, Jesse Banal. Jesse, what is your reaction to what the Colorado State Supreme Court decided to do, kicking him off the ballot? Rita, it's, it's absolutely outrageous. Um, you know, the, this is a legally and factually baseless case. You know, factually, the very idea um, that somehow Donald Trump could be responsible for insurrection is insane, being that the United States Senate acquitted him of this already and he was vindicated. But just let's look at the speech at issue, the speech where he said that uh, people should peacefully and patriotically make their voices heard, where he then got on Twitter and Facebook and told people to be peaceful and that we are the party of law in order and to support our law enforcement. Those are not the words of someone engaging in some sort of insurrection. So first of all, it's just gaslighting to suggest otherwise. And then legally, this part of the 14th Amendment doesn't even apply to the presidency. And uh, for any number of different reasons, which President Trump's excellent legal team on this on these cases has brought up and will bring up to the Supreme Court, uh, I'm very, very confident uh, that this uh, this case here in Colorado isn't going anywhere and Donald Trump is going to be on the ballot. And, you know, the, the Coloradans are, are going to have the joy and pleasure uh, to get to vote for Donald Trump. Yeah, you know, it's insane that it seems like they are taking the choice away from the voters. I was just watching Carl Rove a yeah. little bit ago, Jesse, and he was saying uh, that he thinks this is crazy because the law, as you know, the 14th Amendment, 
was written for during Confederate times. And there were even people that were part of the Confederacy that stayed in Congress uh, back then, way back then. Uh, And yet they didn't get kicked out. I mean, this this seems like such an archaic stretch. Uh, And also, I got to get your reaction to President Biden, because President Biden came out just a little bit ago and he said, yes, it's self-evident that Trump is an insurrectionist. Uh, It's up to the courts to decide on the 14th Amendment. But he, boy, took some swipes. Yeah, that was just absolutely, um, you know, ridiculous. And it was it was actually him almost getting to the point where he was saying the quiet part out loud. And that is Joe Biden is seriously concerned. We've seen these reports about him, you know, yelling at his advisors here recently about his poll numbers. He is seriously concerned that he cannot beat Donald Trump uh, at the ballot box. And so he has to try to find a way to keep him off the ballot and, and try to beat him in courtrooms, either using his Department of Justice or using these other left-wing uh, judges all over the country to try to keep Donald Trump off the ballot. And isn't it, isn't it something that um, these, that this Democratic Party that keeps lecturing us on the importance of protecting democracy, their view of, of protecting democracy is kicking candidates they don't like off the ballot so that Americans don't even have the choice about who to vote for. It's Orwellian to the nth degree, uh, Rita, and, and the American people aren't going to put up with it. You know, one thing that, that we know as Americans is the surest way to, to, you know, get our backs up is to try to tell us what we can't do. And so when you try to tell Americans we can't vote for Donald Trump, you better believe that's exactly what we as Americans are going to Jesse, John got some TDs. I mean, these judges, and they're high-up judges in Colorado, and I'm sure they don't smoke marijuana like they do. Like everybody else in Colorado? Like everybody else in Colorado. (laughs) Uh, But where is their ethics? A lot of them, it was nines, I mean, a lot of them know the truth. Yeah. I mean, did they miss ethics class? John, um, every other court that's dealt with this all over the country, including some very left-wing courts, have said, you know, effectively, this theory is ridiculous, and they, and they laughed it out of court um, and because they decided to follow the law rather than following their politics. And it is uh, these judges in Colorado were the exception. Every single one of them is a democratically appointed uh, justice there, including the dissenting justices, the ones who actually stood up for due process and the rule of law and and said that Donald Trump should appear on the ballot. They were also appointed by Democrats. Um, But but every single one that voted to kick Donald Trump off was a Democrat that decided to put their politics above the law. And that's something that should be legal. Um, I think the American people have had enough of uh of judges and prosecutors who are going to the courtroom to try to advance their their politics there when they can't do it at the at the ballot box and there will come a time for legal accountability where we will be able to hold people that do this to account i firmly believe that jesse i i had lunch today with a european banker and he says they're laughing at us i mean yeah. they, 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 they we're worse than the third world country the way you know, they're acting yeah John, that's that's exactly right. You know, you you have uh, you know third world, uh, um, you know, uh, presidents and, and whatnot that are saying that America has now completely lost its moral authority to lecture anyone on democracy, and that is that's truly the the very sad, um, the sad part about where we are as a country right now. How long does it take to get it to the Supreme Court? Um, well, the the Colorado Supreme Court, the one thing they did right is they decided to um, uh, to stay their decision um, 
uh, until January the 4th. And uh, I think you'll see a, a order from the Supreme Court uh, before then. Understood. Wow. Well, keep us posted, Jesse yeah. Benell. Thank you so much for being here. And we really appreciate a Trump attorney and also great constitutional attorney, Jesse Benell. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks so much for having me. Well, Peter King, you're a, you're a real attorney, right? Yeah, believe it or not. Yeah, I am. You, a wait a attorney. minute. You I'm are? Only an you are of all people? You I'm are? A, I had an honorary degree from some Long Island uh, University. Uh, and, um, uh, I mean, this is... <clears throat> Where were their ethics? They know it was wrong. They know that it wasn't a situation where, uh, I mean, the, the, the Senate found them innocent of that. Yeah, now this is total disgrace. I would say the same thing. It was a Democrat, Republican. The American people should decide who the, who the candidates for president are going to be. They should be deciding who they're going to vote for, not have a court. And here's the irony. They're talking about an insurrection, which... Donald Trump in D.C. was never even charged with, never tried on, and yet a court in Colorado was saying he's guilty of insurrection, even though the court of jurisdiction refused to indict him any type of uh, insurrection. It's way out of the, the lane. And also, as the attorney was saying, there's a real question whether or not this even applies to the president. Even if he were guilty, you yeah, know, this yeah, yeah, you're absolutely right. You know, it's disgusting. Well, we have some breaking news yeah, well, on we'll, the city council. Yeah, we're we, waiting. We, we have it yet? Um, no, we're going to have it in like Are two minutes. Are you going to keep it a secret from the people? Well, well let's tell let, them what happened. All right, should we tell breaking them what news. happened? Yes. All right, just to tee up who our guest is, uh, we are just hearing that the New York City Council uh, has decided to vote that now police officers will have to do filings um, and do reports on what were considered low-level encounters. Somebody now, even coming I'll give over. An example, Rita. Yeah. If you, if you, if a person, a tourist, stopped a police officer and said, "I, I need directions. Which way is the subway?" That's they included. would have to file right. paperwork. And that's ridiculous because our cops are already bogged down as it is. This is bogging cops down. And the other issue, well, too, we're John. we're going to have Eric well, Adams at the end of the yes, show. and ask we're him. We're going to re- ask him to reiterate if he's going to veto this. Uh, yeah, he's a former cop. Yes. So he's-, he's a transit cop. Yes. Yeah. And the other issue, too, is also about solitary confinement, that they have agreed to eliminate solitary well, confinement. Well, we just got, based on this news, we just got on the phone. Yep, we have right now. Joining us is Benny Bossio. He's the president of the New York City Correction Officers Benevolent Association. And, uh, Benny, uh, your reaction to this news of what they're doing. Let's first talk about the solitary confinement, because I know that's a huge issue for you and your guys and gals. That, that, that means, for our audience, that means you you could beat up one of the correction officers, and guess what? You don't get solitary confinement. That's disgusting. That's Benny, disgusting. Benny, what say you? Um, this is a terrible decision, and we will hold every city council member that voted for this, including the public advocate, responsible um, for all the assaults that this is going to now raise on my members. It's really a tragedy when you think about it. You know, Jamani Williams is putting out to the public that we have solitary confinement, right, where people are being locked and tortured for 23 hours a day. That is not what is happening, okay? We don't have solitary confinement. We have what is called punitive segregation. It's basically a jail within a jail. If you commit a crime or a violent act in jail, we have to seg- separate you from the general pop- population and put you in punitive segregation. And as it stands right now, these watered-down consequences allow for a- approximately eight hours of out-of-cell time as it is right now. What the public advocate 
um, with the public advocates bill, now we would only be able to give people basically a four-hour timeout. We could only separate for any violent act uh, of basically a four-hour timeout. Um, and this is ludicrous, right? So imagine this. I want every New Yorker to understand what I'm saying, right? Because it's a jail within a jail. So imagine somebody gets raped on the subway. Somebody cuts another individual on the subway. And the police... Somebody may be mentally ill. Yes. Somebody cuts somebody on the subway. The police arrest that person, bring them to jail, and they could only spend four hours in jail and then be released to the public, back into society, right? That's, in essence, what they're doing to us. 6,500 assaults on my members in the last three years. Wow. Over 1,100 stabbings and slashings have occurred. Like, we cannot, we have to have viable consequences for inmate actions <clears throat> that are assaultive on our members and on nonviolent inmates. Benny, this, this is, is former, Con- Benny, this is former Congressman Pete King. You mentioned Jamani Williams, the uh, public advocate. Doesn't he live on a military facility with full-time protection? 100%. Full-time protection on a military base and walked around, walks around with armed security. Right. And this is this, these are the people that are making decisions about our well-being. Look, our members do a very difficult job. We protect and serve this city. We keep New York City safe. And it's a sad day when our own politicians turn their backs on the men and women that protect and serve our city and basically have given us to the wolves. Wow. So uh, let me ask you again, everybody, we're talking to Benny Basio, the president of the New York City Correction Officers Benevolent Association. What's your message to New York City Council? Like I said, we will hold each and every one of you responsible for every one of my members that is assaulted. This is not going to make us safer. This is going to embolden the inmate population to now wreak havoc on us and assault us more and cut other inmates more. This is a terrible, terrible decision that they've made, and nobody else in the country has done this. Yeah, what, no why, one what, in, nowhere in the country, no what, correctional has done this. What is the logic? Exactly what you're saying, and I hear what you brought up about Jamani Williams, but, but who in their right mind would say this is a good idea not to punish people who are doing horrible things? 100%. It's like some of them believe we should not have jails. There should be no consequences for crimes in the city or in our jails. I've had 50, approximately 50 correction officers sexually assaulted by inmates. So now you can sexually assault one of my members and there'd be no consequences? A four-hour timeout? We're only allowed to separate you for four hours? Like, what world do we live in anymore, guys? This is crazy. Yeah, that is you insane. Know, inside of, you know, between the two issues, the other issue... Uh, being the paperwork issue, the city council also uh, did a that if a tourist stops a police officer uh, and asks him directions, he has to fill out paperwork for an hour. Yeah, every interaction that's 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 insane, also right? Because now you're stopping police officers from <clears throat> responding to emergencies, right? You know, you now you're caught up. Every interaction you have, you have to fill out this paperwork. You like have the least amount of police officers. Day you had the least amount of police officers you've had in a long time, and now we're going to attach their their left ear to their right ear. 
I didn't want to yeah, use the it, word. It, it, <laughs> yeah, I knew what I knew what you were thinking. Yeah, <laughs> right, right. I knew it. But it's it's terrible. This is what they've done to the men and women that protect our city, that protect you know the jails. Um, this is where we're at, and it's a shame. Well, we're going to have Mayor Adams on at the end of the show, and we're going to ask him uh, if he plans to veto it and see what happens. Absolutely, we need him to veto this bill. Yeah. 100%. If he stands by us, he needs to veto this bill. We will ask him. He's going to be joining us again. Mayor Eric Adams joining us live in about uh, half an hour or so from now, everybody. So you definitely want to stick well, with thank us. Thank you so much for coming on. Good luck, Benny. Keep us informed. Okay? Yeah, let us know what we can do, Benny. Thank you all so much for having me on. God bless you guys. Have a happy holiday. Happy holiday. Merry Christmas. Happy holiday. Thank you. And you and all your men and women, stay safe. Let's take a break, and when we come back, we have the best senator we ever had, Senator Alphonse Amato in New York State. Hi, it's Ernie Anastas. You know, your thoughts can affect how you feel, and how you feel can impact your thoughts. Addressing your mind and body connection is the key to improving your overall wellness. Bergen Newbridge Medical Center is the largest hospital in New Jersey, providing comprehensive, equitable, compassionate, and high-quality emergency inpatient and outpatient medical care, plus mental health services and substance use disorder treatment. The Bergen Newbridge team can address your total health needs in one convenient location. Call 201-225-7130 for an appointment or newbridgehealth.org. A common sense recap of the day's biggest stories. It's John Katz and Rita Cosby. Katz and Cosby on 77 WABC. Well, so much is happening with the border. We had the biggest number of illegal migrants crossing our southern border in one single day in American history. It happened this week. And Texas taking law and order into its own hands, saying if you cross illegally into Texas... It is a crime. Well, joining us to talk about all of this is the greatest senator New York has ever had. Someone we're always so happy when we get to spend time with, the great Al D'Amato. Senator D'Amato, uh, great to have you here. And what a mess our border is. You're not kidding. And it's great to be with you because you know what? This station, you call them, John's program, you and Rita, uh, you guys call them the way they are. Uh, uh, this situation at the border is disgraceful. It is horrible. And not only was this the single biggest day, but this is the single biggest month in, in, in the history of the country in terms of illegal crossings. Over 300,000 people crossed the border in one month. Where are they? Nobody knows. 90% of them never show up for their hearings. How many are criminals? How many are, are sent over here by the cartel? How many are bringing drugs? How many of them are going to seek meaningful work? What are they going to do to the cities of this nation? They are destroying the cities. You look at it. New York, Philadelphia, Boston, hey, Al, Chicago. Al, Al, this, is, this is Pete King. Let me follow up on the point you just made. How long can the cities tolerate it? Okay, it can be annoying, it can be abusive, but at the way the rate they're coming in now, the cities are going to burst with illegals. How do you handle they that? Are. Pete, you are absolutely right. And I want to tell you, I am proud of the Republicans for the first time, but they shouldn't have waited so damn long to say, we're not passing anything, not one bill, until we get a border protection bill that will protect the citizens of this country and do the right thing. And finally, 
Let's hope they have the nerve and don't cave in. You don't spend a penny. You tell Biden and company, if you're not going to protect this country, we're not going to give money, whether it's Ukraine, and I want Ukraine to get money, Israel, I want them to get money, but I want the border to be protected here in the United States first. I agree. What the heck is wrong with these people in Congress. I agree. Yes. By the way, did you see, you know, uh, Senator Aldemato, you just hit another uh, a really great point about these, like, delayed hearings. This is, I just saw about an hour ago that somebody who came just crossed the border illegally, they get these notices to appear. Uh, I believe yeah. the year is 2023 right now, even though we're close to 2024. The date was 2031. Notice to appear on, I think it was a Wednesday at 7 a.m. Can you believe that? This is someone who's crossed the border illegally. Show up eight years from now and do whatever the heck you want in this country. We don't know who you are, why you're here. uh, We know that you're going to be a burden, most of these people, to the taxpayers of this country, to the cities that are being submerged and, and you wonder why people are leaving New York. Over 100,000 people moved from New York this year. Why do you think? Why? Why, should, why would you want to stay in the city unless you're really wealthy? According to the census, 540,000 people have moved. And those are the ones that, that uh, have a net worth mostly of over a million dollars because yeah. they're the ones that make 200,000 a year and above. So I am interested to see how much the shortfall is going to be on the budget. Oh, let me tell you, this this coming year, New York is going to be hit. The city is going to be absolutely inundated. The state is going to be inundated. The taxes in the state are going to go up. The taxes in the city. And guess what? More people are going to leave. But, oh, no, what do we do? Well, you know, just raise the taxes. Sure, raise the taxes. Put congestion price, pricing in, and you'll see how many tens of thousands of others. Hey, I, with, all these, the with all these crises yeah. going on in the state, Governor Hochul signs a bill, uh, uh, issues an order for reparations yesterday, if you saw that. Reparations for slavery. My God, the state's yeah. falling apart. And she's doing that. Now, I don't think your family was involved in slavery 200 years ago, were they, Al? And, and by the way, taxpayer oh, expense, too, Pete. Yeah. It's a taxpayer-funded commission. Yeah, yeah my, my grandfather's uh, uh, from Italy. They're, they're responsible for the slavery here. You know, Crazy. I mean, this is stupid. stupid. You are. You know, your, your grandparents born in Ireland. Right. They're responsible for it. I'm responsible. I mean, this is absolutely ridiculous. This country and Sleepy Joe, Sleepy Joe, wake up. And by the way, don't run. Don't get the hell out. No, but you know, uh, I mean, you know, uh, Al D'Amato, before, yeah. before we let you go, I got to get your reaction to what happened uh, with this Colorado State Supreme Court. Um, because uh, even, yeah. even Chris Christie and a lot of people have come out and said it is so preposterous what they're doing. Your thoughts on that? Well, I think they just helped. Uh, uh, Trump and his re-election. I I have to tell you, this is ridiculous. They want to keep him from running because they say he broke the law. I mean, uh, he was acquitted on the insurrection. This is just total nonsense. And it shows how, how bad politics has become. 
you know, the strongest supporter after my first year in the Senate that I had were, were two Democrats. All right. Uh, uh, one was Daniel Patrick Moynihan. We be, we worked together. He finally told the staff, why catch a staffer? Denigrating Senator D'Amato, you're fired. We worked together. When I had the second or third longest filibuster in the, in the history of the Senate, at 2.30 in the morning, who came down to the Senate floor to join me in the filibuster so that I, I didn't have to speak and he could ask questions, long-winded questions? Pat Moynihan, Chris Stodd, Connecticut, Democrat. We worked together on, on issues of transportation, etc. cetera. I, I mean, Democrats and Republicans work together. Today, it is a disgrace. Yeah. There is I agree. No working together, it's wrong for the country, and and I have to tell you, the whole Congress should say we want secure borders. I'm, I mean, all four hundred and thirty-five. Why wouldn't you want a secure border? Right. I, I if you care about this country, you'll want to secure the border. It's not, it's a red, By white, way, and blue issue. Alphonse, in case you haven't heard, uh, they're estimating that there's two million possible terrorists in the country now because of the open borders. But but we have a few thousand uh, FBI agents looking for those two million. <laughs> Great odds. <laughs> well, uh, it, it is criminal what has taken place. Sad. And, Very and by sad. the way, I blame Republicans also. I they waited too. a pretty long time to, to get tough and say, we're not passing anything until you secure the border. And I hope they don't back down now. Yep, Stand you're right. Strong. You're right. Stay, hold the line. Hold the line. Yeah. And I know you've been saying that. You were ahead of your time also, uh, Senator Aldemato, because you were saying that weeks ago. I'm glad at least they're listening. Thanks so much, well, Senator. Well, great being with you. you. And, you know, you have a great one of the the best representatives that we've ever had and that that is congressman peter king thank you how much did he pay you how much did he pay you to say that merry christmas merry christmas you're the best merry christmas we agree merry christmas senator holidays thank you senator let's take a break right now and when we come back are you going to be standing by for eric adams is he going to veto this bill this is the story of the one as a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. You're commuting home. Cats and Cosby. Now, here's John Katsimatidis and Rita Cosby on 77 WABC. And we are back here on Cats and Cosby. And joining us now is General John Tykert. He, of course, is a retired, recently U.S. Air Force Brigadier General, national security expert, also the Assistant Deputy Undersecretary of the Air Force and responsible for worldwide engagement on behalf of the U.S. Air Force and the U.S. airspace. Uh, and General Tyker, we love having you on the show. You know, unfortunately, it's sort of a sad, very sad topic. I was stunned. We were all talking. 
how these suicides in the military have been increasing. Um, the stress on, on members of the military, also recruitments down. Why do you think that is and how do we turn that around? That's really troubling. Rita, it is. And thanks as always for having me and especially the opportunity to talk about this important topic, both for active duty members and their families and veterans. And if you look at statistics, starting back in 2001, the beginning of the war on terror, the suicide rates were about equal for veterans and for general society. But just the toll that has been taken on our military men and women over the last 21 years has caused those numbers to spike way higher than the increases we've seen in general society. And that is a result of long-term deployments and time away from family and the challenges of combat and seeing what you see in combat. And ultimately, it's something that we need to be laser focused on to resolve. How much of it is also, you know, all this like PC stuff, too. And, and you know, there are a lot of people in the military who feel like we sort of lost the focus of what the military is, not because of the great men and women, but some of the leadership. Rita, I think it is in part a society problem in that society over the course of time, especially in the last couple of decades, has degraded or demeaned the items that are the pillars of resilience in normal humanity, religion, community, family, and patriotism. And then certainly the feckless withdrawal from Afghanistan was a deep blow to the members of our force that invested so much of their time there in that deployed location. And just to withdraw like we did back in 2021 was a huge blow to the veteran community and our active duty community alike. Uh, General Teichert, uh, what is the uh, uh, feelings of the uh, com- of the uh, armed forces in all the communities right there? I mean, it's going. What's going on uh, in uh, Iraq? Or are we're being fired upon, and we're not reacting? John, you're right. If you look at what has happened in the Middle East in the last two and a half months, American positions have been attacked over 100 times. 70 military members have been injured. One has been killed. And while we have all of this amazing capability and the most incredible military force on the planet, the fact that we are weak in an administration that doesn't respond is massively demoralizing to our force. Now, you've recently also announced that you have left the Air Force, you or Space Command, which is even higher up than the Air Force. Um, you were sort of forced out, I remember, because of the fact that you objected to this LBGQ uh, training that was going on. Actually, John, that that wasn't the case for me, but I was massively concerned that our country is headed in the wrong direction. Our military is focused on all of the wrong things instead of the real threats that exist out there. And I jumped out of the military in order to help wrestle our nation back to where it belongs, which is why I'm running for the United States Senate out of Maryland. And you're running for the United States Senate out of Maryland. Give us your uh, uh, website. It is com. Things have been going great in the last three months. We're getting endorsements. We're raising a lot of funds. And we're ultimately taking the arguments to the American people and specifically to Marylanders about how conservatives have the answers to the problems that they face every day. Understood. And I believe, I think I'm also endorsing you, and uh, uh, I think uh, you had a brilliant career uh, in the armed forces, and uh, now uh, I hope you have a brilliant career in uh, politics. 
John, I love our country. I do appreciate your endorsement. We need to get back to our foundational principles, and that's what I'm here to do for this next half of my life. Well, thank you very much for coming on, and we'll catch up with you again real soon. That sounds great, John Rita. Thank you. Great. Thank you so much. We wish you so much luck. And obviously, as we're talking about some of the PC stuff, uh, what's happening with EVs and the wind turbines? Uh, John, we always talk about the whales and saving the whales. Save those whales. We love them. And joining us now is Andrew Stutterford. He is with the National Review. He's the editor of the National Review's Capital Matters and uh, joins us now. Andrew, you know, You've written a lot about this. Um, talk about some of the big, I, I, I sort of say scams because it's like so much money going into this. Um, all these like EV, uh, wind turbines and a lot of states, even democratically led states are saying, well, maybe it's not the right move. I feel like they're waking up. I think they are beginning. I think they are beginning to, 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 to wake up. Um, the, if, if, if only for, for, for two reasons. Uh, one is the, the cost. Uh, three reasons. Uh, one is the cost. The second is uh, questions about whether some of these things actually work as they're meant to. And the spoiler here is uh, they don't. And third, um, amongst their legislators, uh, they're beginning to think, oh, are the voters beginning to realize that this is not as promised? And uh, I think that so you are beginning to see some some hesitation, and um, the the uh, you could you could talk about the wind uh, power, uh, but all, but the electric vehicles are particularly, to my mind, interesting. I mean, they're both both the wind power and the EVs are um, examples of sort of central planning, um, but the EVs I think uh, strike home very much more quickly because uh, the well at least until you get the power cuts if we have if we haven't actually provided for adequate electricity generation but because you know buying a car is a profoundly personal thing and you know this this is a country and you can hear by my accent that i i'm not from here um one of the joys of this country country is being able to get up and go in an auto wherever you want and also for many people it's how they commute it's how they organize their you know, going to the school and all the rest of it. And so the car is a central machine, if you yeah, like, a central it, part of America. And electric and, cars have not been very dependable lately, I heard. Uh, I heard <laughs> that uh, uh, if you want an electric car to have fun for it, it could be a lot of fun, but it be, better be a second car. It better not be your only car. Yeah, and, and the that, materials. That and the materials are not even made in this country. That's the other no, thing, no, a lot of it. Nope. No, but but you're, you're, just to go back to the point, if you look at the, t- the typical person who's bought an electric car, uh, uh, he or she is pretty well off, and it will be a second or third car um, because they can be fun to drive. I, I have nothing against them, but for daily use, there are lots of problems, and they're not going to save the planet. And uh, what they will also do is give a big advantage to China. And uh, I don't think that's a good idea either. It's it, it is a problem thing, and it, and uh, I know you wanted to come on and, and tell the, our audience that, and uh, and thank you very much, Andrew, for coming on. And we want to please com, com, monitor the situation and keep us informed, and keep our million people that listen to us uh, informed. I'll be very glad to do so. 
Thank right. you, Thank you so very much. much. Wow. Now, let's Thank take you. a break. Yeah, and we've got coming up a big ass, John. <laughs> we got uh, Eric Adams? Yeah, New York City Mayor Eric Adams with this big news. And we're going to find out, is he going to veto those two issues? Yeah, big deal. It's a common sense recap of the big stories. It's Cats and Cosby on 77 WABC. And we are back here on Cats and Cosby. At any moment, we are going to be hearing from New York City Mayor Eric Adams on uh, John. What a really busy news day. And there's some big issues to talk with him about. I mean, I hope uh, he vetoes these two bills because they're just going to, we have a short, uh, Short staff and uh, uh, in, pol- in the police department, it's only going to make things worse. Also, they're inundated with paperwork now. I mean, for every cop who has to fill out a form because he tells a tourist whether to turn on 43rd Street or 44th Street, there could be five drug dealers on the street at the time. Yeah, and we just heard um, also on the solitary confinement, we talked to Benny Basio, the head of the corrections union. He was saying, this is, how could you, you assault an officer or you assault somebody else and essentially, you're not separated. You're not ultimately more right. punished. Uh, this puts officers in danger. There are so many issues here with that and the extra paperwork. Yeah, it's not just a question of punishment. It's protecting the other it's inmates. Protect- and, 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 and the, the officers. Of, and, the and the officers. Ab- ab- absolutely. Yeah, I mean, you have to, like, protect our officers. You have to have their back. And now to say, you know, Pete, what's so troubling to me, and we, we talk to so many officers, we all do. Right. We love our men and women in blue. And how can you, right now, at a time where recruitment is so low and... And they're not getting paid enough to be put out on the street. We're fighting to keep our officers. We lost 2,500 last year. We are at a a super low point right now, especially considering crime and everything else. And who wants to be a cop right now when they're told to fill out a paperwork? And the city council wants to make it worse. Yes. That's crazy, John. It is so crazy. You talk to people like Bill Bratton and Ray Kelly. They said even during the dark days of New York, they always knew that the district attorneys and the city council, they could go to them for help. Now the DAs are against the cops and the city council is undermining them every which way. It is crazy. And and, and it's like the, the, the psychology of it that like, oh, well, we're putting them. It's like Shawshank Redemption is the way he, uh, you know, uh, the uh, corrections uh, union rep described Jamani Williams describing the situation, which is not the case. I mean, it's, our officers are out there to protect us. They're now out there to punish the inmates. I well, mean, this is crazy. You're talking about the jails. You know, we used to say that the inmates were in the asylum. Now the prisoners running the trails. This is crazy. It is crazy. And it comes, you guys, too, as obviously we're busting at the seams with the migrant situation, too, as well. I mean, that's a huge issue, Pete. I mean, what are we going to do? It's getting cold out. I mean, there there are a lot of problems yeah, right now. Yeah, what is going to happen to those people that uh, with the weather getting uh, cold? And it might be a white Christmas. Yeah. You no, know, I've been praying for a white Christmas. I love a white Christmas. I think it's always beautiful. Where's um, the music? White Christmas? Yeah, where is the music? Yeah. You know, that, they're falling asleep in the control booth. Yeah, they're, they're maybe Are they, we boring you guys? Maybe they had some eggnog. Maybe they were sampling eggnog early. Oh, they're, they're watching the phone for the mayor. But you know what? Um, with Floyd Bennett Field the other day, too, John, there was a bad storm. We saw the other right. day with the rains and the wind, and the bolts were flying off. I feel bad for the migrants. They were in this shelter. And they were complaining about looking like the tent was going to fly off Floyd Bennett Field. It's bad for them. It's bad for residents. It's bad for the city. It's bad for taxpayers. I mean, Pete, you can't make it what up. What are they going to do with all the homeless on the streets of New York Yeah, when it starts to snow? 
Yeah, that's another issue. And and the mayor has said that, you know, expect to maybe see some migrants on the streets, too, John, because they are busting at the seams. We just heard, by the way, a little bit ago also from uh, Texas came out because, of course, they have their new state law. They just said they're going to start shipping. Now, this is an interesting issue in Chicago, like New York, they were getting the buses of migrants and the Texas governor just came out a couple hours ago and said uh, Chicago is putting some hurdles on the busing, so they're going to start flying them in to Chicago yeah. and other cities. First class? Yeah, I don't know. We'll find it maybe with extra peanuts and yeah. everything else. Yeah. Yeah, I hope <laughs> like they like the airline else. food. You know, these guys want, you want gourmet meals. I hope the food on the airline is good for them. That's right. They can't throw it out, right? right? Yeah, <laughs> can't. You can't make this up. No. You know? World's upside down. The world is upside down. And the new, um, of course, numbers that we're hearing in the cost of the migrants, it's $5 billion is what it's hit. They're expecting at some point, these are even what the mayor has said, that it's going to hit about $12 billion for the city to have migrants. I mean, it's unsustainable, guys. I mean, how, how do how and do And more we do and more this? are coming in. Yes, more and more. That's right. That's a that's a lower number. You're right. How do we handle this, Peter King? I mean, what do we do? This is, you know, it's we're busting. You know, people talk about immigration reform. The main reform they got to secure the border. Worry about everything else after that. Secure the border. Absolutely. Breaking news. WABC. Mr. Mayor, welcome to Catching Cosby. Thank you. It's great to be on. How's, how are you guys doing? Happy holidays to you. Oh, you Merry Christmas. Happy holidays. And uh, we're worried. Uh, I understand the city council just passed uh, those two uh, bills. And uh, we're wondering uh, what time tomorrow morning are you vetoing them? <laughs> uh, 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 you know, and people, New Yorkers need to really understand uh, both these bills, particularly uh, the bill that calls for uh, documentation with the police department, which we already do. We already have cameras. We already have them filling out forms. The problem with this bill is something called a level one stops. This deal with, with a criminal investigation or inquiry or non-criminal inquiry. Anytime police make an inquiry to a civilian, they have to document the pedigree of the person, the reason for the inquiry, et cetera. So if there's a missing person, the police officer is walking around with a photo and they ask Ms. Jane, oh, did you see this person? They're missing. Um, do you have, do you know who they are? That officer must document that pedigree information and the reason he stopped her. So some people would say, okay, that would, that takes three, five minutes to do that documentation. Yes, that person. But let's say he asked 20 people. That's 100 minutes. Mm. And when you multiply that in one night, the police officer is not doing one call of service. He could do anywhere from eight, nine, ten different calls of services or what we call radio runs. And every time and everyone he speaks with that he's questioning, he has to document it. We are talking about taking police officers from protecting the public to doing paperwork. This just makes no sense. For level two stops that are criminally in nature and others in level three, that's one thing. But you should not have basic services. Police officers are needing a document. And that's what we try to speak with those who are advocating this bill. We said just take out the level one stops, and they refuse to do so. I, I can't and, believe it. Why, why are they doing this? Uh, and, and the other thing, uh, uh, we had the union guy from uh, Corrections on before, and he's worried that uh, 
uh, they're going to really beat up some of his people, and they can't do anything about it. Well, and you know what? It's not even only his people. Uh, Vinny Bacci, uh, 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 Vinny would tell you, but remember, eighty percent of those who are assaulted by dangerous prisoners are, are inmates themselves. So if if you have, you know, I like to keep it simple. If someone commits a a a crime on the street in assault. We put them in jail. We don't do a due process before putting them in jail. You arrest them, and then they go through the due process procedure. So if you're saying that if someone's assaulted inmate, a correction officer, or a civilian, we got to do due process before you can put them inside the facility, and you could only hold them in for a certain period of time, that, you know, there are some serious, extremely violent people that are in the Department of Correction that preys on inmates and prey on correction officers and other civilians that work in the correctional facilities. So, you know, this assault on public safety is just wrong. May, this is... there's, a, there's a philosophical disagreement in this city that the numerical minority is controlling the narrative. The overwhelming number of people in the city, they support their police, they want their police to do public safety and not filling out paperwork. And that's the same with the Department of Correction. And it's just that. We, we of, agree. We agree. You, Congressman you King. Get engaged. Congressman King. Yeah, man. First of all, it's good to talk with you. Thanks for your work. Yes. And thank we, you, Congressman. Thank you for your kind you know, wishes and, ble- and blessings. Thank you. You're very welcome. What, what is it with the city council? I mean, when you talk to them, you know, what do they say? They just have such an agenda. They won't listen to reason. They won't compromise. I mean, you know, crime can get out of hand. You think it's many people, it's in their communities where crime is the worst. Well said. Well said. And, you know, when we communicated over this bill, trying to show them how they they did not understand the wording, because the wording of what the level one is, uh, Congressman, it came from a court ruling. And we showed them the wording. And they still stated that this does not include those basic inquiries. It's just the unwillingness. You're digging in deep. And then you have in advocates write legislation. You have people who have a far left agenda who don't believe in supporting police, and they're writing this legislation and just handing it off to the council people. Yep. And, and Mr. Mayor, this is Rita Cosby. Great to talk with you again. Um, Thank you. Oh, and you know, I want to ask you about uh, the migrant situation because it's get it is so cold outside. Um, I know the other day Floyd Bennett Field, uh, the bolts were coming off uh, the tent there where it's just a migrant shelter for I think it's seventeen hundred are there now. What's the plan? Uh, where are we going to put all these people? Especially as weather's getting really cold and messy. It's going to snow for Christmas. And, and, and you know what? And it's and it's a real question as we we got last week almost. Of uh, 4,000 uh, migrants uh, that came to the city uh, last week. When you start getting 4,000 a week, 8,000 every two weeks, 16,000 a month, just think about those numbers. Where we have to ensure that all of their basic needs are met by law, uh, that is why we're in court now fighting about the right to shelter. And people have often asked, well, Eric, why don't you stop the buses? Because we're not allowed to. You know, why don't you uh, uh, put place, place people back in these places where they're sending them to? We're not allowed to do that. We're not allowed to tell uh, people we're not going to give them their basic needs. Our, hang, our hands are tied, 
And that is why we are fighting to have the federal government do a better job down at our border and to give us the resources that, is, that goes with this national crisis. Uh, Mr. Mayor, any estimate yet, the differential or uh, uh, how much budget cuts you have to make in between uh, the amount of, uh, I mean, everybody wants the, the, the sun to shine for the rest of the century, uh, but there is going to be a shortfall. Any estimates of how big the shortfall is going to be? Well, we look at, we're looking now, uh, because of accumulation of things, uh, the bulk of it is the migrant asylum crisis. We're looking at, uh, on January, we have to come up with a $7 billion uh, uh, closure, a gap in our budget, $7 billion. Uh, it's just unbelievable when you think about it. We already did a 5% cut uh, across the board. Uh, and so now we have to go back and find $7 billion. Listen, this is this is not sustainable, and it's not cost-effective for our city. You know, our hearts may be endless, but our resources are not. And this is really unfortunate that New Yorkers are going through this. I know New Yorkers are angry, but let me tell you something. I'm angrier than all of them because the city has been recovering, moving in the right direction, bringing down crime, getting people back to work. And here we are saddled with this national crisis. Mayor, when are we going to hit the bursting point? I mean, if they're coming in 4000 a week and the money's not coming to, to compensate the city, how long can you handle this before the city just breaks down? Listen, we already hit the bursting point. Uh, we, we, the, the, the flow has overflowed us, and that is why you're seeing that because the law requires that I balance my budget every two years, uh, you're seeing that we are required to come with these cuts because there's only a certain number of ways you can generate resources in the city. And and one of them is cutting your ex- expenses, and these expenses are decimating of, you know, everyday New Yorkers. You know, uh, before we let you go, uh, Mr. Mayor, you, you also said uh, people need to mobilize to get to D.C., uh, calling on people. Explain that, and how frustrated are you with D.C.? Well, well, you know, I, I think that we are a, a, a country of standing up and fighting for what we want. D.C. is the center of our national government, and it can't be just Eric taking 10 trips of um, you know, lawmakers need to see uh, their constituents, and we need to speak on a federal level why is this happening to our city. I'm sure the congressman will tell you nothing is more powerful than having your constituents at your doorstep saying, we want you to fight on behalf of our city. And that is what we're saying. It's time to join the coalition that we've built and let D.C. know this should not be happen- happening to the economic engine of this country, which is New York City and New York State. Uh, we understand that. And, uh, uh, Mayor Adams, we commend you for fighting for our city, and we commend you for going to Washington. Uh, it, it seems like they were very, very mad that you were going to Washington to, to yell about um, shortage, the shortage of the budget uh, because of the migrants. And yes, uh, because what happened to you could not have happened without White House approval. Well, listen, I, I can't speculate um, how we got to this level as many of the reviews, but I'm just going to stay focused on the mission. Uh, I, I have my legal team who's dealing with uh, cooperating with the review that's taking place. I need to stay focused and navigate the city out of the crisis that we're in. And you know what? I have one 
one gift that I'm, I'm, I'm proud of, and that's my ability to uh, compartmentalize series of things that go on at one time. And uh, I have a good team, and I'm going to t- continue to move fo- focus. I, I must navigate us out of this crisis. Mayor Adams, we support you 100 yep. percent for, We're rooting for, 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 you. for rooting for you for going to Washington and trying to make a difference. And, and uh, you know, I guess Washington is just a stubborn place these days. Yeah, and listen, we love New York. We want, we want huge success. We want know? success yes, for New York. Do. Yes, we do. I look Thank forward to the, uh, for, to New Year's. I look forward to that ball coming down for the new year, and hopefully <laughs> 2024 is a better one for all of us. Yeah, and actually, Mr. Mayor, what are you doing for Christmas? What are you doing? Uh, I, I, I'm going to do some volunteer work. I'll probably go up to NAND, the National Action Network, give out some food. And go out and just really uh, uh, share, share throughout the entire city. Oh, thank you. Beautiful. Thank you for coming okay. on. With Merry, Christmas. Merry, Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Thank and, uh, you. Take care. And Merry we'll Christmas. talk to you soon. Thank you. And uh, that was very nice of him to come on. And look, yeah. I mean, look, he went to Washington to fight for us, and Washington got even. Yeah, and uh, by the way, that was a great question that you asked there at the end, John, because um, look at thinking of everything that's happening right now. uh, They are clearly seem to be going after him, you know, on a lot of a lot of ways. And I think, look, I think they uh, Washington fired uh, a torpedo uh, against the brow bow, so none of the other six mayors that were waiting in Washington would complain. They went back to their cities. With their tails behind, yeah, and between and, their legs, and still New York is footing the bill. It certainly had the appearance of an abuse of power. Yes, very interesting. And by the way, we did uh, have. Did you hear? We did have a little White Christmas music uh, that was coming. Where up is there. the White Christmas? It, here it is. Here it is. Here it is. You asked for it. You shall receive. Pete, you're welcome to sing if you would like, Peter King. You, your ratings will go down so far. You would believe. <laughs> well, thank you all. I am praying for a white Christmas. I am praying for a great new year. And and uh, we do stand for truth, truth justice, 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 and the American, American way. way. God bless America. God bless New York. We need it. And may all your Christmases be This is Greg Kelly for Priority Gold. What does it mean to be America's precious metals dealer? It means that you're in touch with the hearts and minds of those who love this country, value our freedom, and want to protect the future. Priority Gold is that precious metals dealer. They've helped thousands of Americans back their retirement with solid gold and silver. Call Priority Gold at 888-506-6439. Receive free shipping, free storage, a free investment guide, and one of the best purchase experiences in the industry. Call now or go to PriorityGold.com. 